I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to episode 60 of the AI Comic Pod. It's the one that all five of you have been waiting for. It's our Infinity War special. Um, this year, this decade, I don't know, I reckon it's maybe lifetime. of all time if it, if it goes that way. Film, you know, huge release. What are we currently stacked at, Stu, on the box office? Um, it's currently the 14th highest grossing film of all time with 1.244 billion dollars in a fortnight in a fortnight which is that mental is mental i mean when they when they talked about the opening and how it would get on and after black panther's ridiculous you know run at the box office i don't think anyone predicted it would would knock those kind of figures and beat the force awakens on that opening weekend it's just astonishing I mean, that that was the big one and it didn't just beat the force awakens it absolutely killed that and what was it w- w- was it 480 million or something? Yeah, I think it was at least that. Um, the the other point. guest I would like to introduce, if we're going to do this professionally and properly. Why start um, now? I know, I know exactly. Um, is a very good friend of ours. Wow. Well, who has appeared, well, you know. Moderate, a casual moderate. acquaintance. Yeah, exactly. I'm um, about to speak with his Thanos, really. <laughs> He's finally got his space toilet to come on this podcast. It is <laughs> the one and only Marco Lopez. How are you, sir? Ooh, a little bit of cheek after a little bit of while, hey? Well done, well done. Hello, boys. He's learning off me. Yeah, it's not it's, as much it's, though it's because he didn't you. No, 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 I haven't sworn yet. Neither have no, I. There's going to be plenty mm. of spoilers and there's yeah. going to be plenty of swearing and there's going to be a lot of a lot of general chat about how how incredible that film is and lots of things we're going to do we're not going to do a quiz because there's too much to talk about and you know there's too much to cover we are going to maybe cover this over two parts Um, we're going to review the film in full we're going to talk about some of uh, the kind of intricate details we are going to touch on comic spoilers as well Um, and then we're going to maybe do a part two where we look ahead to 
kind of future Marvel releases and part two of this incredible saga. And I think one thing I do want to know, actually, before we start, is that I think people need to sometimes take a step back and realise this is two parts. I think sometimes when people... And I remember watching Lord of the Rings, and I've rewatched it recently, which is why this comes to mind. But when I was quite young, or a little bit younger, um, watching Lord of the Rings, not realising it was a three-parter, and at the end of the first film going, what the fuck has just happened? Because <laughs> it ended, and I thought it was going to go on and on and on for, for what felt like days, and it didn't, and I had to wait a whole year. And so we've got that same kind of situation where everyone's trying to read as much comic material, they're trying to rewatch the film they're rewatching mcu stuff they're trying to get every kind of easter egg and hint spoiler ahead of the next film but i think we know that marvel aren't going to give anything away including the title of the next film already which is quite quite remarkable in a such a heavily marketed kind of film area that we we reside in now so yeah it's it's something that needs to be remembered that this is only part one and when we come back in the future and watch these films that future generations everyone will be watching them in two parts they won't just be watching it as a single entity um and i'm hoping there's going to be extended releases as well because there's a few complaints about this film not many and i think most of them are really considerably unfounded but the ones that are are about people missing or characters missing or not enough screen time but for me most of the first watch scene have been poxy i mean me me and me mate tom who i cinema with we we were talking about them last night, and some of the things that we've heard of, oh, there's too much Thanos, and where was such and such a body? <laughs> it was barely an Avengers film, and honestly, they're all absolute bollocks. I, the best I, I'm thing about this film one, is one it's a film centered complaint. around a villain. I, yeah. I think that the best thing around it is the bravest thing and the boldest thing that they've done is made it all about Thanos, you yeah. know? And we, we will talk about that. I mean, Stu... You watched it in LA, which is pretty cool. Uh, opening night it was in the cool states. Fuck, it really. What was, was your initial reaction? I mean, I know you sent me a message at what it was about three in the morning. And yeah, I, I felt. Oh that. yeah, well, I, I, <laughs> I got home at about midnight, um, and we I was with Michelle and our auntie, and I said to her the one thing I didn't want to do was get talking to people, and then I got messages off Tom and Ian on Facebook, and then you replied to me on WhatsApp. And I was like, oh, shit, it's six o'clock. Everyone's waking up for work. So then I didn't go to bed for another hour or so. Yeah, um, exactly. But watching it in the States, it was the whole experience of the whooping and the hollering and the way every sort of little chapter was introduced as its own little thing. There was always like a round of applause before it. And and at first it, it was quite annoying. But then, you know what? I actually loved it. And last night when I watched it again, I was kind of missing the fact that like the first time you see Peter on the bus and he's, um, his spider oh, sense is nice. kicking off. Everyone was like, woo, Peter Parker, woo! And last night it was like, oh, no one's cheering for Peter. So <laughs> I actually kind I was of liked the American. Ned. I was cheering for Ned. Everyone oh, absolutely Ned's brilliant. We're all going to die! <laughs> There's a fucking spaceship. We're all going to die. Um, it was, Mark, it was strange, though. What is the though. cinema experience like in, in South Africa, actually? Because I've never asked this question. Is it is it big... Cinema? Do you go to? A, is there an IMAX? There will be in Joburg, but no, there, there is an IMAX, and I went to uh, to give it some support nice. uh, on, on opening weekend, um, and then psychotically went the very next day again. Um, so it was interesting because you obviously hear a lot about uh, some of the reactions from people, and walking 
well, waiting outside for the previous showing to come out. Yeah. And you just see all these people walk out and they're just, they're just subdued. Like, <laughs> this very sort of, like someone's been, uh, no, no, not like a guttural depression like after Logan, just just like subdued, like someone hits you in the stomach and then and you can't talk. But I, It's a I, bit of a soccer punch, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and I mean, obviously then, you know, so, so sort of I had that expectation thinking, okay, people are obviously, uh, something quite big happens in this film. And then you watch it and then it does. I have to say that my favorite reaction in the theater is because some people were expecting it. You you could just tell. And some people were yeah. just sort of not uh, not ready for it. But that moment when Thanos stabs Iron Man in the theater was just quite something to behold. And, and one of the things I enjoyed about going the second night is watching. I, I actually quickly stopped, looked around, and just, wow. I mean, you could have heard a pin drop in the theater, which is quite something considering you know, you, you, you're, you're in a movie. So... Um, I th- it was a great experience. Uh, we don't have, I don't think we have IMAX 2D, which is what you did. Yeah, so I was quite... IMAX 3D was, was pretty cool. <clears throat> yeah, opening night, I went straight after work on the Thursday and just saw it in, in 2D, um, not in IMAX. And it was good, but I, I think the big thing about IMAX isn't just the screen, it's the sound. I mean, the sound is absolutely enormous in this film it's it's such a pivotal part of this film um because the score is sensational I oh, think. the, the uh, score is so good especially the way it harks back to that original avengers sort of jingle that they, they use well you, you yeah they they have that avengers moment and it, it comes a few times and that really gets you i think we said that even when we watched the trailer you know yeah. it just kicks in um that well, kind they, of they used kind it in a few different ways because when, when they're trying to build the suspense now they lower the tone don't they and they slow yeah. it down and it becomes really really emotive but then you've got the the upbeat version which is meant to be like oh oh okay now, yeah now we're on the yeah up. exactly yeah but i think the sound is, is such an important thing and i think when when you're in a fully packed cinema and the both times i went um so i went on the thursday and the sunday it was full uh, and literally there wasn't a seat spare. People almost fighting over seats. I've never really seen anything like that before. Um, not to that extent, you know, even the cheap seats, the, the ones at the front are, are gone. Um, I went to kind of obviously see it opening night because it's a huge thing for me and our podcast and everything we do, but also to vet it a little bit because I took my little boy to the IMAX on the Sunday um, and I was just fearing that Cap or Iron Man had had died in the in the film which spoiler alert they haven't they haven't but there was that moment with iron man where i literally clutched his arm because i, I was fearing. i thought that i thought tony was dead at that i yeah. really thought he was gone and There's i was like I oh shit that was one of the I, moments I, like you were saying before in terms of reactions yeah obviously oh, bear man. in mind americans are quite melodramatic but everyone in the room went <gasps> And it was a genuine, well, it was like, that you, could, moment. you could feel yeah. the air get sucked out the room, and it was so tense. Because you could kind of sense, you know, you could sense the Gamora one, because I, I think if you know... You got the feeling, didn't you, when, when he said, like, there's a price to pay, I sort of started going, oh... Well, I, I didn't know that, yeah, the, the Soul Stone for me, I didn't know it was going to relate, relate to that. I, I didn't know it was a sacrifice, you know, and I think that was a big factor in it. But I think you thought if there was anyone that was going to perish that means anything to Thanos, it's, it's, it's her. It had you know, to be her. She's she the only one. Nebula is what he calls spare parts at one stage, which is so brutal. He basically um, hates her. 
Yes, he does. But, but you and can he, see he why, to... if you think back to Guardians 2, she was the loser, wasn't she? The reason why she's got so many modifications is because she constantly lost to Gamora, and every time she lost, she well, got another used, mod. He used, he used Nebula as, a, as almost a plaything for Gamora. She was, a bait, I mean? she was a bait dog, really. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, you could see that. But I think the emotion that you got, and and this is we're jumping all over the place, but we we will get into a little bit of structure. Um, but when the Guardians first meet Thanos um, on oh, nowhere, yeah, I remembered something. Jesus, uh, on nowhere, and they get the re- he's got the Reality Stone already, um, and and she stabs him, and she's crying, you know, and 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 that relationship, you you do get that sense quite early that it's much more complicated than just hatred because it, it can't just be that. You know, if, if someone as a child is taken away, it's that kind of abductor, captee, It's like you the know, Stockholm kind of, Syndrome, isn't Stockholm it? Syndrome, exactly. Yeah. exactly. Yeah, exactly. And there is that element there and you, you get that sense quite early that this is a big part of the story we're going to see unfold over the next, you know, two and a half hours. And it, and it was pretty pivotal and, and it happened actually quite early to be fair um it felt like in the film when you know Gamora must have been an hour an hour and a half in when that kind of moment happened and, and it was a shock um uh, but yeah. i don't think i think that the iron man moment was the bit everyone was fearing and waiting for and ultimately you know he's living just to, to fight another day really so um why don't we try it, to try and get some structure into it? If we go right back to the beginning, I was, I was very surprised how quickly we saw Thanos. It was literally ninety seconds into the film before they you weren't pissing see. about. Yeah, they weren't pissing about. Which was about. good they, to they, see. They, yeah, I mean, we we we'd kind of known that he was coming quick. I thought we'd kind of predicted that in the sense that, you know, at the end of Ragnarok, we know his ship is upon you know, upon Thor's vessel and they're, they're leaving Asgard to try and find safe passage to Earth or, or wherever in the end. Um, so I think I, I thought that would come early, but I didn't think we'd get, I thought we might have the Black Order. I, I didn't think we'd get that full That's what I thought. Impact, I thought we'd see them, but it. not not him straight away. They'd allude to it. And I was no. trying to sort of keep an eye on it last night and it, it was about 90 seconds in before because he was skirting around it, weren't you? You could hear his voice in the background and the, you've got Loki and then all of a sudden the camera pans and you've just got this huge imposing shadow yeah. by the window. I think we knew we'd get stones quite quickly. Um, well, he, he had to. Into that. Exactly, exactly. And I, I, I like the fact, and this is something that I've seen criticised, I like the fact that they didn't drill down into, you didn't see what happened on uh, Xandar with him yeah. decimating the... Um, the Nova Corps, you didn't see what happened on Nowhere with the with the collector. I don't think you needed to. You don't. I, 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 agreed. I, I don't think you needed to. It also to. would have like, been we, a three and a half hour about... film. Well, exactly. It doesn't, but we... it doesn't mean that there's not any, like there's still some fluff in the film that you could remove though. So they do make it work, right? No, yeah. so, so I'll, I'll, I'll say this because I mean, I, I, I'm, I'll, I'll make a couple of criticisms on this pod, which will, which will luckily make me then popular one, and then you can go back to your hashtag again. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, look, like for example, I love Peter Dinklage. I really do. I'm, I'm a massive Game of Thrones fan, Game of Thrones fan now. But 
I'd happily trade all of those sequences on Nerevalier for more detail on Cap and Bucky. I really would. For example, I think oh, I, I think I, out of out of all the 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 stuff you were talking about in terms of you know the the, the pacing and and how full this film was, and even getting to Thanos right at the beginning, like that that worked. But there is some stuff that that you could have taken out. Yeah, I, look, I I I get that, and I'm not gonna do the excellent Chris Hewitt impression of of the handle joke um, about his English accent. If anyone's listened to, <laughs> listen to the Empire podcast, uh, they do a two-hour, 40-minute uh, Infinity War special, which is quite something. Um, and they, they take the piss out of his accent. I don't think Chris is a Game of Thrones watcher as such, and I'm quite used to Peter Dinklage in that accent and that role to an extent. I thought it was good, actually. I thought it was quite fun. Um, I thought it was quite a play on on characters as well, with him being a giant dwarf. Well, that was it. He was a giant dwarf, wasn't he? I thought that was brilliant because yeah. we we it was didn't funny. know. Don't did get me wrong. We didn't know what funny. he was Don't meant to be. Yeah, I, I think the thing with it, Marco, I think it's almost it's a Thor film, really, as much as anything else. I, I think that you know, with Civil War, which obviously is a Captain America film, but this is an almost direct follow-on from that, rather than um, Age of Ultron. This feels like that was an Iron Man and Tony film, on you know, um, that's that's the same person. That was an Iron Man and Cat film, um, and we've yeah, had a lot of them. We've had a lot of them, and and I look, we you don't need to preach to me and Stu about more Captain America because we are his team biggest Cap fans forever. Yeah, Team Cap forever. Um, <sighs> but I think it it kind of went down that road of. Thor being the man, you know, and and I think and I followed on so well from Ragnarok, and I, I and I did love his lead in the role because ultimately he's the strongest Avenger so far, um, and that's quite crucial. You know, it's amazing how quickly and swiftly Hulk got put in his box, really. You know, and <laughs> got swept aside because it was a nice moment when Loki said, "We have a Hulk," because. It meant that Loki was had finally turned a corner. It felt like, and he was still then playing tricks and games. And a lot of complaints again have gone towards Loki not being as pivotal in the film or in the films. But it's only half is, time, isn't it? Do we think he's dead? Because he's the one that might have tricked again. But I just think they played that card a few too many times. If if anyone's going to have escaped it, you'd think it'd be him. I watched. As you can imagine, I came back from from honeymoon and I had loads of emergency, emergency awesome videos awesome. and yeah. nerdist and variant comics and stuff. And the number of people that have picked up on the the num the the language that Loki was using when he's saying like the sun, oh what was it? The sun, the sun hasn't set or the sun will rise again again on us, brother. And it, th- there was four or five language hints that really do point to Loki not being dead. The only reason I yeah, wanted and even to not Thor be dead mentioned is... that even Thor had a moment with Rocket where he mentioned that I think he's dead, but yeah. <laughs> it's Loki after all, kind of thing, you know. So it's yeah. But like like I... we've said privately, some of these deaths have got have to, to stick. stick. The the one I yeah, think has yeah. to more than anything is Gamora. I don't think Gamora can come back. I I think it it sets up Guardians really well actually because mm. Guardians is obviously very playful and happy and and that's their 
but we need to see a different side of it to an extent. You know, it would be hard to see a different side of Peter Quill, but I think maybe we're going to need to. Because well, I don't well think Quill's Guardians on my can... shit list right now at the minute, because let's be honest, if he wasn't such an emotional dick, if he'd waited five more seconds to punch Thanos in the head, they nah, would have had the gauntlet off and it would have been game but, over. But then you would never see Quill. But then you, you would never have see Quill. But then I wouldn't exactly. have been crying so much, Marco. <laughs> uh, I was pretty much... What's the, I was like... I was cathartic. No, what's the word when you get like just locked in place? Oh, not cathartic. Petrified. Catatonic. That was it. Catatonic. I was in a complete catatonic state at the end of it. Like what? Look, I'll 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 say this for for Loki just to quickly finish on that point is I I actually I actually do hope he's dead for one simple reason. I I like the I'm a big fan of seeing characters having a finite beginning, journey, and end. And I think you know. If you look at Thor Ragnarok, it gave us enough of a bookend to him and yeah. Thor resolving the relationship as, as brothers in a very specific way. It is a quick death, I get it. But the thing is, like... We've had a lot of that before. We had yeah, a redemption arc in, in a film that's just been released exactly. in October. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. And, and that's my big issue with anyone that says, oh, this person didn't get enough time. And that's not you, Marco, because I, I get the Cap thing. Cap is a lead character, and he didn't really have anything to play with. And then other people are saying, well, Wakanda, because Black Panther did so well. But maybe they didn't expect Black Panther to do so well. Do you know what I mean? They didn't expect they, it they, to be They this can't have successful. expected Black Panther to have been as big as it was. Exactly. And they wouldn't have expected Valkyrie and Cord to be that popular, because Ragnarok was a left-field choice. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It was something that might have made half a million... Uh, half a billion worldwide and done really well, you know, kind of in a kind of niche way, but it, it made so much more than that. And it's such a popular and, and loved film because it was so individual and unique. Um, That's fair. Well, ju- just on that subject, have you seen the official line now about where those people were? Well, there was a split in the ship, is the, the rumor thing. So it's the classic kind of. Thanos no, they, thing they'd evacuated. 50- Okay. The, yeah, the, that's what I mean. Fifty had evacuated. Fifty percent had evacuated on a on a yeah, ship. Yeah, because if they were already yeah. dead, Thor has no powers. Because as we found out, his power comes from Asgard, and Asgard is a people, not a place. So if they were yeah. all dead, he would have absolutely zero powers, and he would have snuffed. Yeah, it on and the they they do Loki. need a bit of an out. Obviously, Heimdall. Uh, who'd Handel's been underplayed dead. and underused, but he 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 did well in Ragnarok in terms of they gave Idris Elba a little bit more to work with. Um, but he had a small kind of heroic act at the end. And Loki went out the way that I was kind of proud of that, that they did that. He he showed it was a good death. He was it was a good death, you know, because even to... even at the end he was being Loki, wasn't he? He he was still conniving and scheming. Yeah, and the up god to of his mischief, man. That is what he is. It's and, it's and... the mischief. Yeah, you just that's what he is. You just got to hope that uh, him being because I I had a good look at uh, Thor: The Dark World recently in right. preparation for this film, and it was kind of like trying to pay attention when he gets stabbed if he's in direct contact with uh, with that big dude. I can't remember his name, and like. I don't know. I'm just thinking if Loki is getting strangled, that's pretty definitive. But because obviously, yeah, everyone, I think so. Because because all the all the theories, I'm sure you've seen them. Loki went off screen. He came all smiling. Yeah, yeah, that could yeah, be yeah. The, I, I I kind of hope that isn't. You know, it it needs to be definitive. I, I hope they're not trying to be too clever for their own good a little bit because it yeah. is a it is look. We know how many characters are in there. I mean, the film is so packed with with such amazing relationships with new characters and interplays and things that you can't just expect 
to keep everyone around. You know, like I think the things we said that got a problem with with your kind of long-standing TV show is not Game of Thrones, which happily kills off people left, right, and center, which I think keeps it really interesting and fresh. But Walking Dead, which is something that has really, really gone off the ball, and we all know that, um, yeah. is because they just got too favourable towards characters, well, and the, they just the, didn't. The Glenn thing you know, fucked so many people off. I know so many people that stopped watching because they were like, "Well, what's the point if you can fall off a bin into a thousand walkers <laughs> and somehow live?" You've kind of yeah. lost the whole point of like the only to kill him off four life. episodes later or whatever, you know. It's, yeah. it's, it's literally you've got to sometimes make these choices. And I think the things the Russo brothers did so well in this film is that it was brave. And I think the bravest thing they did was for centering a, a film around an almost entirely new character because you know we haven't had any of Thanos, we've had discussions like little points in Guardians 1 and, and various others, but nothing to say that he's this kind of threat and he's no. going to be this powerful. I but also think it was brave the fact his, that... His arc, it's all his film, really. They, they, they did bill it, didn't they? They said that it was basically a heist film for Thanos. Yeah, they than... did, but but we didn't think that. I, I think most people thought it would be a heist but centred around the Avengers, you know, with Thanos being a threat, but only only in between the Avengers storylines, if you are, do you know what I mean? It's, it yeah. felt, it felt more, it's a Thanos driven film. He's the main plot point. His arc is the main thing. And they've done something really brave that they've actually almost completed his journey in one of the two films. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because, and, and we will come to that, but honestly, they did the full journey. I didn't think, or I thought maybe they might have the, the click of the fingers right at the end, like we said at the post kind of credits, or even literally at the end of the film when we don't see what's going to happen. But That's they, what I expected. I, I thought it he would got be all click. The stones, you know? I thought it would be click and then black screen and we wouldn't, we'd have to wait yeah. until the next one. I also but they, thought they could brave. have easily got three or four stones and this then two better. in the next film, you know? It was also better. brave that the lead Avenger in this was Thor. It was brave of them to step away from Cap and Iron Man and say, right, we're going... Because after Thanos, nobody had more screen time than Thor. He was huge. Yeah, and and, and, and completely right to be as well, because I think... And, and you know, this is a very kind of uh, typical film thing of me to say, but I think Hemsworth has stepped up to being probably the best actor in it, which I, I know people will maybe question me about that, but the guys... I think that's a fair comment. I think the guy's range is just insane because he does those scenes where he's literally delivering an extremely serious emotional line and then 10 seconds later, he's laughing it off like it didn't happen. And he's got really clever, quick timing. His humour is something and it's underrated and we've we've discussed that at length in Ragnarok because he's so good at that. But he's come on so much. There's something backed up by Tom Hiddleston, and I, I was listening to an interview with Empire as well. I mean, Tom also mentions that 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 Chris has got this range of ability to switch from a a very serious piece of dialogue to just just sort of this effortless comic timing. And 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 you're right that that sort of uh, uh, effortless segue does 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 serve him really well. I just wanted it to just quickly... suits him really well. Yeah, it yeah. suits the the character and 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 his development, which has been. Almost astonishing because we mentioned that with the films that the first two films aren't particularly strong Thor films. So and he's not especially strong in them. He's he's 
at times. No, because he's, he's a kind of fledgling actor that was picked on his his appearance as much as anything else. I yeah. would say. Yeah. You know, and and Downey Jr. is the the charisma, and obviously Mark Ruffalo, I I adore and think he's a great actor, and I, they have given Ruffalo more time than just the Hulk because the Hulk was quite prominent in Ragnarok, you know? Um, they've given him time as him, not in just a mocap. See, suit, I've seen that as, as a criticism as well. The fact that there was more Banner than Hulk, but to any, to me, that was a huge strength. They actually allowed a brilliant actor in Mark Ruffalo chance yeah. to act as himself. Yeah, because we've had... But it makes sense for the character. Because it like, does. Yes. Think, about, think about the arc, right? Because if you understand it from Age of Ultron into Ragnarok, okay? He's gone from Bruce trying to run away uh, to this green machine having full juvenile reign, right? At the <laughs> end of Ragnarok, years. He's, you know, so bear in mind, he was on Sitar like, for two years. Yeah, exactly. So he's, he's become, he's not as much as like a weapon of mass destruction as a hormonal teenager, right? But so, so you almost, so when he comes out to fight Thanos at the, at the beginning, it's, it's, it's not just the fact that he's embarrassed, but it's even that reference of like, we've got a Hulk and Hulk come out. And Hulk, he, I think he's tired of being this muscle on demand. Which is actually very interesting as a concept in terms of like it, it, it's a very interesting thing to say. Oh crap! Here's the biggest uh, uh, threat the Earth has ever had, and now this guy chooses not to come out. It's very interesting. And it's something that and they he's did, also well, their they last did that in Ragnarok, well, didn't they? They they had that arc yeah. in Ragnarok where um, both Hulk and Banner say to Thor, "Oh well." you only want me when there's fighting and stuff like that. They're like, you don't care yeah, about yeah. me. Hulk thinks that they prefer Banner because he's smart. Banner thinks he prefer Hulk because he's strong. So, yeah, it, exactly yeah. as Marco said, it completely made sense. And now they've well, got he's, that he's really good dynamic. He's always the last choice, isn't he? He's always the guy that comes to save the day because he's the strongest at the end of the and fight. He, Do you know what I mean? He's always... Yeah, exactly. He is, until Shuri rocks along. But, um... <laughs> and just schools him. <laughs> Can, why, why didn't you do sorry, it this way? Just, because we can I just quickly couldn't. circle back to something? Um, yeah. you, you guys are talking about the ending. I think one of the key things, right? Um, the reason it shouldn't have ended on the snap and needed to end the way it did is because the snap's only meaningful to people who've read the comics. I agree. You 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 can't you you have to like for me that's a, and 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 you know you, not to criticize the Walking Dead again with with the same stick, but like that's that's a cliffhanger. You let the bad guy win at the end. And then you see everyone's like, what the hell? And then everyone walks out the theater, what the hell? That's a cliffhanger. That's how you do it. And the look on yeah. Cap's face as well. I didn't I didn't spot that first time round. Cap was just gobsmacked. They they and he knew they lost. They completely yeah. well, it, lost. Well it's all you know, they, they realise they've lost. Uh, and and they don't and they do act that they all act that exceptionally well because they realize the stakes are so much higher than maybe they'd first anticipated, you know, because they don't all know that he's going to just wipe out half the universe, really. They, they, they don't expect it to happen. Do you know what I mean? They don't anticipate that we'll lose because they're not used to losing. Do you know what I mean? They've always won. Um, I don't when think it's, any even when really the chips are down. that he could do it. I think the only one that probably did was probably Gamora. Maybe Gamora oh, and Nebula. Yeah. Uh, I was going to give Marco a little pop. Uh, pop quiz before how many different futures did Doctor Strange see? Fourteen million six hundred and five. Bastard. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I thought it was fourteen million six hundred and three, and I couldn't find it on the internet for love nor money because I was saving that one for some some point when we talk about it later. Um, and that alone, that, that's actually, another one another of the character. things that that's that's been that's been pulled apart is oh well, 
why, why did Doctor Strange give over the Time Stone? And nobody seems to have put together. He saw 14,605 no, things. Yeah. He knows that the only way they win is to let him win the battle, but then they, he knows that they win the war. But first, they've got to do this. Well, let's talk. So we, we, we got through Loki's um, you know, scene where obviously Thanos has got two stones and, and Hulk comes crashing down to Earth. And then we get a quick straight into the sanctum and then <laughs> with Wong. Ah, <laughs> oh, I love Wong. I, the interplay at the beginning between Iron Man, uh between Tony and Doctor Strange is marvellous because there is no love loss between them. They're both Even though they don't quite know each egotistical. Other, yeah, exactly. But everyone knows Iron Man. Everyone knows Tony Stark because he is that celebrity. Everyone knows of his ego. They know of his lifestyle. They know of his you know personality so Doctor Strange feels like he's got him read before they've even met do you know what I mean and obviously he's a highly but, intellectual but they're guy. cut from the same cloth aren't they because that was Stephen Strange's problem man. he's an arsehole as well Sherlock. they're both Sherlock so if, <laughs> exactly. in, the next film, in the next film if Martin Freeman doesn't say it to both of them no shit Sherlock I'm going to write <laughs> no surely the, the more subtle one would be him saying something like well it's elementary isn't it that would be a great little yeah, because that's one of those Tony's things that go over so Dr. many Strange. people's heads. What was the doctor line that he said to Doctor Strange? I can't remember what it was. Um, oh, it was man. a term you use for doctors, isn't it? I can't remember what it was. I'm going to have to find it. Um, I thought their relationship early doors was was really quite interesting, actually, because those two were as pivotal to the story in terms of uh, the interaction with Thanos and, and and setting up towards the next film as anyone in this really. Um, and I thought that initial fight scene with them and some of the interplay and, and and our first look at, well, not first look, but our first look at the Black Order in action, really, or two of them, was really, really cool. I thought that opening fight scene was was ace. And it I, got, I it got better when Spider-Man day. turns up. It yeah. definitely got better Everything when he's like, hi, Mr. Stark. <laughs> <laughs> Everything gets better with Spider-Man. Tom Which Holland is true. Is nailed that role. Like, I... I, you know, I can't even express how how good he is in that role. Um, but that fight scene, obviously, that gives us a quick hint of of what's going to happen. They are after the the Mind Stone, and we see the power, which doesn't last that long from Eb anymore because he isn't a pivotal character. I think we just discover quite quickly that the Black Order are there as a kind of side note. They are they, they are the red Thanos shirts, aren't they? Thanos from, can't um, be everywhere. Do you know what I mean? They're he the red shirts be. from Star Trek. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. But I think Ebony Moore is the one that stand out for me. And I, I really his, liked him. I thought I, his his CG was did. was impeccable. I thought his powers were really cool, and I thought his. His voice it was was perfect. He he had a really eerie kind of he was a take on, on the role as well, wasn't he? He's definitely drunk the Kool Aid with the way he's going on about it. Whereas the rest of them seem more like mercenaries. He really looked like he was actually a little bit in love with Thanos. But his especially powers... yeah, especially because yeah, we didn't cool. have. Is it Mephisto? Is the normal sidekick to Thanos in in Infinity Gauntlet? Or yes and no. Else? Mephisto Mephisto in the comic in the comic book is a bit of a weird character because like. Throughout that story, you you kind of feel like he's actually trying, he's he's doing a bit of a Loki and scheming for his own purposes, but yeah. but, but ultimately is like uh, uh you know sort of right hand right hand man advising advising Thanos on on how to uh, court death, which is probably the the only part of that story that I don't like actually. 
Um, actually, this, here's a question for you, if I may. Um, I'm breaking host protocol here, but go, go. do you like the fact that this wasn't about him trying to impress death, but actually yes. was because this this whole righteous uh, uh, angle where he he believes he's doing something for the greater good. I actually thought it was a very interesting way to bring in. You know why he's even doing this? He makes him much more relevant. I I much more preferred genuine threat over the. It wouldn't have worked. Lady Lady Death is a is a character in the comics. Um, she is a love interest of Thanos, which no one would have understood. Even though Um, she doesn't, she barely even knows that he's born. She's got no interest in him at all. He's basically a lovesick puppy. He's a lovesick puppy who in tries his best way. to impress her, and he's a sniveling little whiny fucker, to be he honest. He is. He's comics. a bit of a whiny bitch, you know, isn't he? And I think that's yeah. one of the reasons why it works that they changed him, because if they build him up as Thanos the Mad Titan and blah, 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 and then it turns out he's doing this to impress some bird, he, he kind of comes <laughs> off looking a bit but that, stupid. But that's how it felt. The, the comic, I mean. The comic, I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It felt like that, right? Yeah, yeah, I've exactly. I've still not read it, but I've I've read the synopsis of it, so I know everything that happens in and around it, and it it does weaken Thanos. And like you've said, I think his air of superiority of, you know, the hardest decisions take the the greatest resolve or whatever it is he says. This sounds a lot better. This makes him sound more like a madman than. Oh, but if I kill everyone, she'll notice me and she'll love me. Which she didn't exactly. anyway. But, but but I agree with you because I think that the, the whole dynamic now suddenly is you've got this guy who's actually really powerful and stupidly so. And the fact that he is able to wield the gauntlet and is able to pull this stuff off almost makes it even more like a, a, a crazy twist on the whole. Because that's the thing. I think – I can't remember where I heard it, but it's just that whole concept of one of the most dangerous things is the in the world is someone – is a righteous man who believes that he's sort of doing the right thing. Now, this isn't a man, but – you know what I mean? No, it's a very, yeah. it's, it's, it's a wonderful no, 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 way. It is, it is, it is, and 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 actually, he makes him more. I don't know. It gives him an element of humanity, even though his ultimate genocidal maniac syndrome does kick in for most people. But it's well, it's like Killmonger, isn't it? You can see the logic yeah. and the rationale behind what he's doing because he talks about yeah, the more of planet since screwed, he wiped out know. half the planet. All they've known is prosperity. They've they've been better off. You know, if you exclude the genocide, so you can yeah. see the sort of twisted logic behind what he's doing and, it's, and why it's you a would classic believe. Villain, you know, it's a classic villain take. I mean, not done quite on this measure of wiping out half the whole universe, but a lot of people have have always talked about. You know, when you get those films where it's people get sick and it's to kill out, you know, a lot of zombie films go down those kind of traits, and lots of things I've seen in the past have done that. It's not new territory but it's done in a really kind of innovative way with a villain that you hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little so naturally when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you that's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Kind of just as much intrigued about as anything else because yeah. he's a fascinating character. Um, he is. And the CG Going back was a absolutely bit. brilliant. Oh, yeah, let's yeah. If we're on Thanos, let's let's do it properly. The CG is as good motion capture as anything I've ever seen. Um, up it's there not. with Lord of the Rings for its time, because Lord of the Rings is a little bit dated with Andy Serkis's Gollum now, but it was exceptional at the time. And then the Planet of the Apes films, which are again Andy Serkis, but just you know, because Andy Serkis is the king really. of mocap. He is the king. He's one of he's he's a he's a wonderful wonderful actor actually and, and i'm glad he had his, his moment in the mcu and he was great in that role um but josh brolin as thanos and mm. that voice and that menacing kind of appearance and and you can feel his because i've watched a lot of josh brolin he's a really interesting actor um he's great in 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 you know these really kind of dark edgy no Country for Old Men, films like yeah. that. Um, yeah. He's so good in that. And and we're going to get him as, as Cable, which will be really interesting. It's yeah. a slightly different role. But but in terms of as an actor, you, I, I know his expressions and I, I know the way he delivers them. And Thanos delivers them that way. And, and the voice is so menacing. And everything he says is just so purposeful. And you believe it. And you, it's hard to... You know, when we first saw even the first trailer of this and we thought, ah, you know, I'm a bit worried about the CG and, and I'm not going to try and do this too much and I haven't done it yet. But you look at Justice League, <laughs> right? You look at Justice League and you look at the villain and I've forgotten his name because it was so bad. Um, go on, hit me, Stu, with his name. Steppenwolf. Yeah. Steppenwolf. You look at Steppenwolf that looked like it was drawn... I don't know, by somebody who was blind. I, I'm sorry, but it's so bad and it's so little attention to detail and so little kind of fear inducing in there. And then you look at Thanos, even with his scrotum chin, that real emotion you've got from him and those tears are genuine and it's just so well done. And I just, it blew me away, actually. I, I, I legitimately found it amazing that they'd managed to create a CG character with that much emotion, you know, emotion. Yeah, exactly. As much as anything else, emotion and believable emotion. The scene when they're on Vormir, the the bit where he turns around, you know, Gamora does a little speech and she's gloating and then he turns and looks to her and the look on his face was really like, Oh God, he really does love her. Yeah. it, It, to convey that level of emotion he didn't have to speak a lot. He didn't have to speak a lot. It was a lot through his It was more emotions. powerful that he didn't. Yeah. If he'd had to speak, it would have been a bit like, well, yeah, but you kind of said it now. 
And it, it's even better because Red Skull, side note, fucking brilliant cameo, and I genuinely went, oh. <gasps> oh my God, it's yeah, Red Skull. Yeah, that was very cool. Yeah, so but, I looked to my right, to my mate, and I went, it's fucking Red Skull. I was like, yeah, that was nice. Cool. I so that the was the nice. fact that even he jumps in and he goes, which she says, tears, and he goes, then they're not hit, they're not for him. And then yeah. the penny drops with her, and I think the penny dropped with everyone in the room because I looked around and a lot of people were sat there with their jaws hanging open, like, "Oh shit!" You don't, well, you're not in the yeah. telegraph there, is it? Um, I don't think so. I, I, so I felt I, I felt like it was it was it was pretty clear that something like I, was going to happen. The second I, I the second assumed when they went to that planet and she, he didn't go alone. Do you know what I mean? It's not like he yeah. left Gamora tied up or anything. She. Or on the ship or wherever, you know. I know it maybe used a space jam, but um, yeah, I, I felt like that might have been coming. But the way it was delivered and the fact he drags her and it's deadly silence at that point. Do you know what I mean? I you don't hear her screams. You don't hear those kind of moments. And it wasn't uh, subtle, just... was it? I mean, he didn't push her over the edge. He just he launched her. her. Yeah, I'm, he I'm, all I'm her saying off. is. All I'm saying is it just makes her look a little a little stupid considering it's her. Cause... I, I think she was a bit naive and I, I you know, I agree with that. I, I think there is an element where she, she maybe did underplay what he was capable of. Or yeah. she she didn't think he was capable of caring, so that's why she dismissed it when she was up on the cliff edge. But she also didn't think it would lead to that, you know? Um but ultimately she didn't want Nebula to suffer, so there was some moments. I think, talking of Gamora, I think the scene uh, on the Milano, which was pretty pretty tough to watch, uh, and, and also earlier on, on on Nowhere, where I know that's what it led to, but where he she asked Quill to kill her, essentially, yeah. if it came to that. Um, that did then lead to one of the funniest Parts with Drax. Drax and his invisibility. Uh, <laughs> it's like how long have you been, how long have you been stood there? An hour. I just thought that was absolutely hilarious. Actually, that. I, I was gonna say like like that whole sequence even before that when they when they meet Thor and then they're still kind of half flirting. We're Gamora. coming back oh. to that, man. We're coming back to that. It's it's it's, oh, bad, it's one of my favorite parts of the film. Um, and it was in the first kind of like a pirate minutes. had a baby with an it. angel. <laughs> And even even yeah. last night, even the, the tenth time he calls Rocket Rabbit, I was still chuckling, going, "He <laughs> Rabbit." We got into Thanos. We were talking. I think we we will come back to that sequence um, with Thor quite shortly, and, and the, the Guardians, which was is one of the best parts of the film. Um, the bits with Ebony Moore, and there's some good Tony lines in here. So we said he was quite intimidating, and we we see. Uh, him in that flashback with Gamora when we're on Gamora's home planet and he's, you know, basically ordering the death squad. Um, and he is quite intimidating. He says, hear me and rejoice. You are about to die at the hands of the children of Thanos, which is called again, children of Thanos. I thought was, was, was interesting. It, it tells you immediately who they are in, in a sense. Um, which is weird because he'd used that phrase before, hadn't he? On the plane, on the, on the, yeah. The Asgardian ship, he said, you are all now children of Thanos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be thankful that your meaningless lives are now contributing to, and then Tony stops him. I'm sorry, Earth is closed today. You better pack it up and get out of here. Um, Stonekeeper does this chattering animal speak to you. Certainly not. I speak for myself. Um, 
and then Tony says it means get lost, Squidward, um, <laughs> which I just saw. Which is great because that means SpongeBob audience. SpongeBob SquarePants is canon in the MCU. It's just such a hilarious man. It's such a line. I mean, um, we had a bit before that with with Wong, and they were talking about their favourite uh, ice cream flavours, which oh, I thought was brilliant as well. Hulka um, Hulka burning fudge. <laughs> yeah, I just I thought would it was so great. buy that. Yeah, I would buy that too. Um, and I just thought it was really good those interactions early, and and then we had obviously Doctor Strange was was taken. It's all about getting that that Mind Stone. He has that very simple spell over it, but it, it basically stops him. Uh, not the Mind Stone, the the Time, time Stone, obviously. Um, but then Spider Man gets the Iron Spider suit, and I thought, Mark, oh, you could just just genuine you know, try and try and contain yourself. Did it live up to your hopes and expectations and dreams? It exceeded it's... them the first time when the arms popped out. It's I, not you. This I... is Marco's turn, man. He's the Spider-Man boy. Come on. Ah. Let <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. I understand. But 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 I'm pretty much going to say the same thing as as Stu. Um, yeah. It, when when the arms come out, just sort of unexpectedly, that's sort of the the, the kicker. But even initially, when when you just sort of see the the the, the sleek design and stuff. It's very cool because like the, that's obviously an Easter egg that we kind of half thought was going to pop into Civil War. Yeah, then, Lego. Then, then we saw it at the end of Homecoming and he still didn't wear it. But like I think I think the nice thing is just just everything. I mean I'm, I'm jumping a little bit, but everything biased obviously. Everything Spider-Man, Tony, and Doctor Strange related in this film, I like comfortably my favorite parts. Just so so cool. Um, and that I, I thought they were great. I, I love anything pop culture reference, and I, I love the fact that he says that really old film when he's talking aliens, about aliens. Yeah, and, and Kids Tony watch more just gives him a look. Yeah, exactly. You're not allowed <laughs> exactly. to make any more pop culture references. <laughs> it's just great. It's just great because he's such. He's just an excited just, little kid, isn't he? How has he nailed that role so well? I mean, I, we went back and watched Homecoming. I've watched it a few times now. I just every time I watch it, I think Christ, he he so wanted that part, but he delivers it so exceptionally well, and almost downplays it. And people just think, oh, he's just some young, you know, plays it as a young teenager. And then, but it takes a lot of skill to play that role, and he plays it just perfectly, to be honest. And 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 we'll skip ahead, but his emotion, which was quite incredibly. Because we're skipping all over anyway. It's this kind of podcast. But his emotion when he dies, um, seemingly dies, but his emotion is 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 almost it feels real because it was unscripted and it was improvised and he did it. Oh, was it? it, Yes, it was. Which is which is fascinating for me because I think think it would give that free reign to such a young. I think he did it. He did it, and they just thought. This works because he had a longer death than anyone else in that moment, and he and he made it count. I mean, there is which makes sense because James, of his spider James sense. Gunn, uh, Groot, Groot also had a word when he when he went, oh. which was dad. Um, me, me and Tom were pretty oh. much holding each other last night when when Groot was dying. <laughs> it was really it was like a proper support group. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I, I'm not surprised, but. That relationship, that father and son relationship between Tony and um, and Peter, has developed really well, you know, in in a short space of time. I think they really convey the emotion, and I love the the moment when he says you're an Avenger, and he gives them the whole kind of 
arm on both shoulders like he's knighting him, you know. I and he has that big was... shit-eating grin and then quickly has to go stern face again. He's like, no, no, we're on a mission. Yeah, think... it's, he plays it so well. Can I just quickly say that I think what's really cool about that interaction as well is you see enough of it in this film that it gives that death a lot of gravitas. That's going to be yes. one of my criticisms later. Um, maybe oh, unfairly so, now. but I think no, oh, no, no, come no, on, I'm, bad I'm, news, Lopez. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be that guy. I'm gonna say like, like certain, certain things that that could have worked at the end a lot better needed stuff like that. And I think the reason you feel that death a lot more is because you're like, uh, you, you can, you can sort of almost have a blueprint of what's sort of running in Tony's mind and the guilt that he's going to start feeling from from that whole dynamic. So I, I think it works really well. So kudos to them for doing that. Um, the other relationships and some of the key ones in this. So Guardians meet Thor quite early. Um, we get that great moment where the Guardians are skipping through space and playing another really cool soul song. And they're all really relaxed and comfortable and singing Drax's fast asleep and group group is playing on his on his classic arcade game and and they they tell him to turn it off and he basically tells them to piss off and they say language because they all understand what he's saying and i just absolutely adore that um that was another james james gunn has done an explainer now they've all got like a universal translator so everyone can understand him yeah, I love the fact that Thor learnt Grootish or whatever it would be in school as well. An elective, an elective. I mean, what elective is yeah. I just thought it was hilarious. Um, this is my friend thought... Tree. <laughs> <laughs> I am Groot. I am Steve Rogers. That's um, you've stolen basically the best line of the film yeah. there, but it's one of it's just the way that Cap delivers that I am so Steve solemnly Rogers like with such innocence Rogers. though man it's just his classic innocent Steve Rogers you know it's when he talks about the internet being so helpful it's that classic Steve Rogers moment yeah. um, not Captain America it's the Steve Rogers moment definitely you know? I was just going to um, say that it is because Captain yeah. America is confident and unsure of himself Steve Rogers is just a bumbling little nerd who kept trying to get into the army yeah he's a guy that never quit um but the, the, the opening with the Guardians and they, they drag him onto the ship and Gamora is basically feeling him up. And, and, they, and Drax. Drax basically says that <laughs> Chris Pratt is one sandwich away from fat. No, that's or is that what Rocket oh, says? Says. You're one sandwich away from fat. Yeah, he's like, no, you, you're, you're not, he's not a dude, he's a man, you're a dude. <laughs> I love it's that just that hilarious. It's I just love that hilarious. And then basically Thor starts basically stealing all their food, um, expresses that Rocket is the captain, clearly, and not anybody else, and asks if he wants to go on his adventure to Nidavellir to, to forge a weapon that only he could handle because they're all too puny, basically, which I thought was really funny. Um, even though that makes so we Rocket want to get, get one even more. Yeah. I think one of the most poignant scenes is when they do go off on the escape pod and Rocket is trying to be that, trying to be that man and step up to the role of being emotional support, which I find hilarious. Um, and ask that's, Thor that's what's an happened. Scene. It is that an is, important scene. It, it's really, but the reason I'm saying that, right? Because if you look at, there's a couple of, of characters who are sort of an, an antithesis of, of Thanos and, and Thor is one of them. Cap is the other because. Thor, you, you kind of, like, there's this whole element of, like, at the end where Thanos is like, oh, you know, what was the price of this? What did it cost, etc. And then you look at, like, how much Thor has lost. And the irony is, like, 
it, it, you know, Thor's failure at the end of the film, I think, is just as important as like people moaning at Peter Quill because he, he, he doesn't go for the head because he wants Thanos to see his, he wants to see Thanos's face. He wants, he, he wants, wants him to, to suffer. He wants yeah, him to he, suffer. He wants to see, like, you see, I got revenge. I won. I beat you. And then, and the problem is, that's the difference between Thanos and Thor. Is that Thanos would have gone for the head. Thanos would have been like resolute, and and that's and that's the weird antithesis around you know the the the, the differentiation of these two characters. I thought. Yeah, it's also and, a good and, film and for showing how much Thor's matured as well, because yeah. when he finds out that Gamora is Thanos's child, you obviously it, it sets the tension. You think he's going to flip the table, grab her by the throat, and pin her to the wall, and he uses it as a bonding experience. And again, it's. It's showing out how much he's improved since the first Thor film when he was just so impulsive that he goes and starts a war just for the sake of it. Yeah, I mean, there's some some brilliant interactions. I think the the other one when they're, they're discussing this, this is Thanos we're talking about. He's the toughest there is. Well, he's never fought me. And Rocket says, yeah, he has. Well, he's never fought me twice. Twice, yeah. <laughs> Which I just thought is genius. Because but, but, Thor plays that innocent card a lot of the time. Yeah. It, not bordering stupid, but do you know, know what, what that I mean? There's an element of, of that. First Avengers film um, with the um, he's adopted line. It yeah, was one exactly. of them where I, I like to think that that was maybe ad-libbed or there was some input from him because it's so lightning fast when he does it that it, yeah. it just tell, strikes tell me as, so good as this about new it. Hemsworth. You can feel that James Gunn and Taika Waititi kind of influence a you little bit. You can feel the I, James Gunn. I was going to say exactly that. The, when it when it says to space, you know, it flashes to space and they just think that's classic kind of James Gunn line. And then you see the Guardians in the Milano and you just... You, it's so clever, this film, because it is a collaboration between so many people. I mean, I think we'll go on to talk about that a little bit later on, on maybe the part two of this, because this is going to run and run. But um, it is it is a very collaborative process. There's a lot of people involved, and you do get a sense that this film has been made because of a lot of care and attention from a lot of people, not just one director with complete free reign or an executive producer or someone above them on the chairman's level. It's it's a real project and labour of love because it has been forged over time and developed over time. And they're not just going to leave people out and go, well, the Russos have got this. And, well, and even well, the Russos are collaborative. You know, they're not just one entity. They both have different mindsets and they both bring different elements to the film as they've done in the past. So... Well, it's, Coop, it's quite Coogler an and, um, and Gunn both get credits at the end, don't they? Well, Coogler clearly is involved in Wakanda because he is the Wakandan, you know, his style of of interplay between the characters, Okoye and, and, and Black Panther particularly, is, is his style, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? The and way like they speak. Said, all the space stuff. I think everything that takes place in space has had James Gunn sat in the corner going, well... Because it basically those bits feel just like a Guardians film, don't they? The bits yeah, they on do. Earth feel like a, like the Russo. It feels like you've got the Earth bits are like Winter Soldier, Civil War. The space yep. bits is Guardians, and then again the the Wakandan stuff is all Coogler. And they've just put the three of them together, and and somehow they've just gelled. I mean, they are three completely different styles of making and showing and representing visually and yeah. through I'm glad even got Harry, Harry Tiger even... in there because it wouldn't have worked, but you know. Yeah, Tiger is a bit weird for this, but yeah. 
I'm so sure even, he was consulted. Yeah. But so, so I was going to say, even New York has also got that like very subtle uh, Scott Derrickson feel when when you first sort of interact with the Sanctum and there's a fight in the streets. So yeah. it's not, it's, it wouldn't look out of place like, you know, the ancient one having a fight with Cassidius in that, in that particular. No, I, I felt, I felt like this is a heavy Doctor Strange feeling and uh, in, in terms of style, because we, we've always talked about these films that they are all superhero based films, obviously. And they're all comic book based, but they are all quite distinct in, in feel. And we always talk about Winter Soldier being espionage and all that kind of stuff. And The Guardians is like a classic kind of Spielberg adventure film almost in space. You know, it's got that kind of Star Wars, but, but quirky feel. And then Ragnarok was something completely left field. Um, and Black Panther, Kugler says was, was his kind of bond. I know it's, a, it's slightly different to that, but you can see that whole Shuri being. Q and, and, and those kind of tech and that kind of feel to it. Do you know what I mean? And it, mm. I, I get it. I, I, you know, they're all different styles of films thrown together. Can I just and, do and a little, get a little segue about Ryan Coogler? Did you know that when they signed him for Black Panther, they only signed him for one film? That's so, changed. So having just made a film that's made Marvel 1.3 billion, he's now sat around the negotiating table going, so. How much am I going to get paid for Black Panther 2 and 3 then? Talk yeah, about exactly. negotiating power. <laughs> yeah, I think it's the same with Wonder Woman, isn't it? The Patty Jenkins. Patty Jenkins had yeah. even more so because I mean, we knew Wonder Woman was going to be good. We knew Black Panther was going to be good. But nobody said $1.3 billion for Black Panther. Nobody in their right mind thought it was going to do that much. Even Cooper no. must have been going, what? We've got how much money? And now he's re- he's negotiating his contract. There was something yeah, you mentioned and, uh, before that I forgot thing. to say. Um, Go on. It, it's Marvel aren't doing a whole H presentation this year um, at Comic Con. No, because like you said, they they don't they, they're not even announcing the the name at least until the last quarter of this year potentially because they don't want to distract away from first of all Ant Man and the Wasp, and then. They want to sort of put some of the focus into Captain Marvel as well. So they, they, I think they're actually playing it very sensibly because if they go to Comic-Con, the first thing people are going to want to know is, right, well, what's it called? Can we get some teaser footage? Can we get somebody well, on have stage to give in a costume? At some stage, but I mean, they won't be brave enough to do a non-trailer film. Um, no, no one... That, that no would one would ever do that. It doesn't suit marketing in terms of modern. It's not media. the Disney it, way, is it? It's it's not the Disney way. But <laughs> I'm very intrigued with what they do about it. I am extremely intrigued because it could be so different to what we're used to. And 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 a lot of people were saying, oh, you know, Spider-Man Two is going to shoot in this. It's like yes, but they can't they can't cease everything. Do you know what I mean? They can't hide anything from social media as it is today because no. we've seen scenes that are shot for the next film we've seen this because people are everywhere they're shooting in major cities they're shooting in you know very visible locations everybody's got a camera phone so you can't escape the world of it but it doesn't make the emotion of that scene any less do you know what no, i mean it doesn't not. when you go back and watch pivotal films from your generation if they still hit you hard enough it doesn't matter that you've seen them a dozen, two dozen times before. It, well, think think about Jurassic Park. It doesn't take away anything from it. We we both exactly. loved Jurassic Park, and that was what was it, ninety three, ninety four? 
It's 25 years old, I think. Yeah. yeah, and I've seen that film probably at least 20 times. Still gets me. It's still as tense as anything the first well, time you see the T-Rector's eye. That kitchen scene when I was, you know, eight oh, or nine or yeah. whenever I watched that, and I was like, that, that scene will stay with me forever because it, it was it was so scary at the time, and I, you don't forget that. It's... It's the same with like Terminator 2. I watched that with my dad when I was quite young. And I was probably too young. But it, I don't forget a couple of scenes in that movie with the, uh, I can't remember the, the actor, but the, the, obviously the, the evil robot in that film and, and when he's stabbing through the eyes with his <laughs> razor edge kind of hand. It's like, Jesus Christ, that never forgets you. You know, you, you can't get away from it. And the emotion of films doesn't leave you just because you know what's coming next almost. You you know, that's a few of the criticisms have been thrown at this, but you can't do that. It's, they can't not stop production. It's it's Marvel, and they've done so well to not announce everything. Do you know what I mean? Because well, what they, I was going to say, what they have started doing seemingly, like you can see they've announced the slate. There's there's three Marvel films every year uh, coming until like 2022. Yeah. But now we, we, we're in a very unusual position. We actually don't know past Guardians 3 what, what these films are. Which is interesting. They're, they're being very coy. The only films that we know are coming out now, we've got, We've got Captain Marvel, the next Avengers film, and Spider-Man 2. They are... That's it. And and Ant-Man and the Wasp. They are the only confirmed films. There's lots of talks about... I mean, we know we're getting a Black Panther. Sure, there'll be a Doctor Strange sequel. There'll be a Black Panther sequel. We know Black Panther 2 is happening. We know we're going to be getting... um, It looks like we're getting another Thor film, but I like the fact they're keeping it close to the chest because obviously there's the the Fox buyout now. They don't want to come out and go, this is the next five years of films, and then all of a sudden the deal gets ratified, you know, next, say, next summer, and then they go, well, shit, now we've got the X-Men, now we've got the Fantastic Now we're doing six a year, yeah. (laughs) So I I think they're being very, very clever because Marvel have always told us, haven't they, what we're getting for, like, the next five years. We don't know shit other than about the next 18 months. And that is, no. that's not an accident. Disney, if Disney can do one thing, they can market the shit out of the future and they're not doing for a reason. And I like no, it. Exactly. Because that gets no, me I excited because that gets me thinking. I think, I don't know whether, I think it was Kevin Feige said, they've got storyboarded or they've got like penciled in the next 10 years of films. But obviously that was before the Fox buyout deal. And you've got to think that underneath these penciled in ones, they've got like, well, yeah, but we could put the Fantastic Four into here or do we want to bring Wolverine in or villains as well? You know, well, now we've got access to such and such. Now we've got Doctor Doom. Maybe Doctor Doom is going to be the next Avengers villain, something like that. And I think they're playing oh, it very... Oh, that'd be awesome. Wouldn't um, it just? <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about this the other day. It does, it does day. open to a lot of other things, but that buyout has still not happened, and it's taking a lot longer than anticipated. It's going so to take about see. 18 months in total to get it done because it's yeah. got to go in front of Congress and Senate to make sure. I mean, it does yeah, give them a monopoly. It's an but... extremely complicated deal, more complex than when Disney bought um, Pixar or Star Wars, yeah. you know, LucasArts and stuff. It's, it's crazy, really. Um, this is already running, so I think we are going to uh, be good and do this into two parts. We've got a lot more of the film to discuss. We've got a lot more to cover in terms of going forward. And I think we're going to talk a little bit about comics in the next one because 
you know, the, the Gauntlet comic and, and Thanos quest, and there's some quite heavy involvement there, but they've taken a quite different direction, as we talked about earlier as well. So, um, Which is being forced on them. To, um... Do join us again, yeah, um, to to discuss this in further detail. We're going to be back with part two and our guests shortly. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.